Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of News You Can Use. I'm back with you today, Ann Baldwin in the hot seat. And I'm here, Lisa and Kenoki, straight off the runway, I feel like, today. (laughs) Well, at least you got a lot on your plate with all your grandkids, getting getting them to college, getting them where they need to go. And back to school. Back to school is the operative word. That's there. right. Everybody's uh, in that frenzy right now. I know my granddaughter was just here from Texas, and we did a lot of back-to-school shopping. And, you know, it's a fun time, but it's also a very hectic time. And and that's why we wanted to bring on today, and this is the first time I get to say this officially, Patrice. Uh, Patrice McCarthy is the Executive Director and General Counsel for CABE, which stands for Connecticut Association of Boards of Education. And, Lisa, I've had the great privilege of working with this organization for years. I don't, I can't even, I tried to go back, Patrice. I can't even remember how long it's been, but it's been a while. It's, it's been a good journey. It sure has. And the journey continues. And again, congratulations on being the new executive director of CABE. It's a big responsibility. You know, CABE is, represents um, all, so many member school boards across our state. How many right now, Patrice? About 150 of the 166 school districts in the state. Oh, wow. That's a lot. That's right. So why don't you talk a little bit about what, what CABE does? And, and you know, I you know one of the things I learned, Lisa, and I'm, this may make me sound not very smart, but um, that boards of education members are elected officials and, more importantly, volunteers, dedicated yes. volunteers. Yes. And so um, as we get into this conversation, I just want our listeners out there to remember that. Okay, these people are elected officials and they're volun- volunteers. volunteers. Yes. So talk a little bit about the the things that CABE does as far as education and, you know, uh, lobbying and all that kind of stuff, Patrice. So CABE provides education, advocacy, and support to school board members. And each of those are very important components of helping these volunteers fulfill their local responsibilities. So as for education, we provide individualized workshops for boards, we provide regional programs, and we also provide statewide conferences. We have a Summer Leadership Institute, and we co-sponsor with the Connecticut Association of Public School Superintendents an annual conference, and that is a wonderful learning opportunity. But we're also available when board members or their superintendent have a specific question. If they call right before a board meeting, they can get a quick answer from us. We provide sample policies to boards of education so they don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are many policy areas that the General Assembly has required that local districts adopt a policy. So this way they don't have to start from scratch. They can turn to Mm -hmm. CABE 
get a model policy that will fulfill the statutory requirements. Hey, I love so that. A, that is, that's great. My mom actually was a Board of Education member in New Britain, Connecticut. So I know this is an invaluable service because, again, like you said, why reinvent the wheel? And, and also, I would assume you're up on any new legislation so people don't have to necessarily go and do that research. You can actually do it for them, more or less, kind of, or that, give them a that, synopsis? That's exactly what we do. We okay. put out a policy update as soon as new legislation uh, is adopted. We get that information out to districts, whether it be policy issues or legal issues. Uh, we do advocacy at both the state and the federal level, and we help school board members be advocates on behalf of public education. Okay. And you know, that's just it. Most of these people are there because they're very passionate about education. Right. It also has amazed me over the years how many people are on the Board of Education that don't even have kids in school right. or kids in the school system. I mean, you, we all know it's education is the foundation of everything else in life. So it's got to be there and it, it takes a village. And I also see what I appreciate about you know, CABE and CAPS and the Connecticut Association of School Business Officials and um, the CIAC, yeah. how everybody works together, right, Patrice? Because you all have to come together to really help manage this huge um, business of education. Absolutely. And Connecticut is very fortunate. We are have wonderful education partners, the organizations you mentioned, as well as a terrific relationship with our State Department of Education, mm -hmm. and most recently during the pandemic with our Department of Public Health. This has been a really critical aspect of being able to provide in-person instruction in a safe environment for students and staff. And, I'm and sure. other states don't enjoy that partnership, unfortunately. I was going to say, and we're also in a really great seat because our Secretary of Education started out from <laughs> Connecticut. So you also have that relationship so you kind of know where he might be going is that helpful also to you oh it's incredibly helpful and uh secretary cardona remains uh connected to connecticut he's back home in meriden on a regular basis uh with his family and we were fortunate last year at our convention while he couldn't attend in person he was there uh, with a live feed uh, speaking to all of our convention attendees so one of the things that I know I, I'll just kind of divert a little bit, and I happen to do this because one of my grandkids just went off to college, but something that I think a lot of people don't know about in our schools is that while kids are in high school at a certain level, they can take college courses, and that's something that the governor and other folks have kind of been promoting more in terms of trying to get kids prepared for, or just the job force where it's shortage of particular areas of career areas that they're allowing kids to take college credits, which could also then be referred back to the high school or vice versa. Can you talk a little bit about that also? Because I don't think people know enough about that. Sure. Most of our comprehensive high schools do provide that opportunity for students to take college level courses. That's a terrific way for students to, and families to be able to save money because they have those college credits when they start. Uh, mm -hmm. in higher education. Yeah. And there's also the opportunity to take advanced placement courses where you are able to, by scoring on the exam at the end of that course, again, you're able to have that count uh, towards your college credits. But on the career aspect, we're also seeing high schools, we actually were able to get legislation passed in the past legislative session, uh, thanks to work that the Waterbury Board of Education had done to bring the opportunity 
to use in our comprehensive high schools people with experience, skills in the trades, and much like the technical high schools, are able to supplement the curriculum that is available to students and give them some of those technical skills that they can then use to enter the workforce when they graduate from high school. You know, because let's face it, I think that's a that's a really good point. Not everybody goes on to a four-year university. I right. mean, the trades are so hot right now. And to give those other students um, other options and get them excited about it before they actually graduate, I believe, is going to help with the graduation rate. If, as yes. long as you, you know, you've got a target and you know where you're headed, that's half the battle, right? Yeah, I think it is because in particular, you, you know, kids don't know all these different they only know what's in front of them right so if they only see teacher or you know when we were growing up policemen firemen we don't know the other things that go on behind the scenes to help you know the dispatcher we don't think about all these other critical Mm -hmm. um, pieces of the team that that actually make things go and I think it's so important not just for trade school as you said but for kids to have that on the job training or on the job talking like we just recently did with OIC and the kids in New Britain Um, I think it's so important. So tell us a little bit about that, Patricia, in terms of why that's important. And is that a top agenda? Do people know about it? Are they really promoting it? Or or what happens? Because I find that as I'm having discussions, even with some of my own grandkids, when I'm talking to the schools, they're like, no, that's not possible. And I'm like, yes, it is. So, (laughs) More and more districts are looking at this opportunity. And part of the issue is we needed flexibility around certification requirements because people that have spent their career in the trades don't come to the schools with the coursework that one needs to be a certified classroom teacher. Right. But they bring a whole set of skills and experiences that do not only provide uh, training to students, but also, as you said, that motivation, that, that incentive to continue their high school education because they find something that they're interested in. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the hot button issues as we prepare to enter the school year. Some kids have already started. Other kids are getting ready to start. Um, We're hearing a lot about the teacher shortage, Patrice. We're hearing a lot about um, a bigger focus on, you know, mental health issues for our students. It just seems to me there's so much responsibility now on behalf of school systems to help raise our kids. You know, it's mental, it's, it's health, it's social, it's emotional, it's all those things. Um, how much does that add to your plate and to the plates of other boards of education? Board members certainly have become increasingly aware of the need to meet all of those needs of their students because we know that a student that is suffering from trauma that uh, is not going to be able to learn in the classroom until those social and emotional needs are met. And those are skills that are life skills. We want our young people to be resilient. We want them to be able to manage their emotions. That's what's going to make them successful in the workforce as well as in their personal lives. So that's an important component. And one of the challenges is that even when we have the financial resources, there aren't necessarily the practitioners available Mm -hmm. to hire to provide those supports. So we've got to look at that as a pipeline issue. And another thing is nutrition. You talked about all these other things. So there's two other things that yeah, I that's think right. are hot yeah. buttons, nutrition. And how about these different states, that California being the first one, that's allowing the kids to go to school later because they have done the studies that say, you know, kids need a little bit more sleep, later school days. What's Connecticut's position on that? 
that's a decision that Connecticut is leaving to individual boards of education. Yeah. And some boards have looked at altering the school start time for high school students. But of course, that impacts because most of our students rely on school buses for transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, that impacts all of the other schools, uh, all of the other grade levels in a district. And so there, there are challenges any time you try to make an adjustment. You know, and I sit here and I shake my head because you just brought up another issue, transportation. That was huge last year, school mm-hmm. bus driver shortage. I mean, the bottom line is there is a work shortage, That's right? It. So people need to really consider, you know, some of these jobs that they might be consi- considering, you know, as an adult learner, you know, maybe you're at home and you've got a young child, you can take your child That's on the bus right. with you. I mean, there, there's so many different options. So, Patrice, are we still talking about the impact of COVID, or can we say we've kind of gotten over that hump? Unfortunately, this is going to be a long-term impact in many aspects. Uh, Certainly, the social-emotional impact that has been created by the isolation that many of our students faced when they were exclusively using remote learning. Again, it was a necessary condition, but that has a long-term impact. Our youngest students that didn't go to preschool because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. didn't develop those socialization skills Mm -hmm. that we would expect to see when they enter kindergarten or first grade. So those issues have to be addressed. And of course, the learning gap in some cases was definitely exacerbated by the pandemic. It was very difficult for some of our students, given their home situations, to be able to focus on their learning when they were in that remote environment. So what are we doing in terms of, I know we're talking about the mental health and I know there's been funding, especially in our state, but how do we really, how do those things get implemented, especially when you're saying, um, you know, there's a shortage of even the therapists, even if you have the money to pay them. So what are some of the kind of things, if you can bullet point a couple of things that parents could either know about here or learn about that schools are actually trying to implement, or at least things that we should know that maybe we can help. I heard something really good this morning on the Today Show where they were talking about teachers, and they said, what about the beginning of the year just saying, hey, can we help out? We're here as parents instead of waiting until there's a problem and everybody's screaming at teachers or Board of Education members. How about us just saying, hey, you know, we appreciate you. We know you you got a lot on your plate with all of these kids. And how about we kind of step up from the beginning and be proactive and say something great to our teachers? My mom was a teacher, too. But uh, I think we you know, how how else can we help? And what else do you see is is something that's going to be happening that we should be on the lookout for? Well, a couple of things. What you mentioned is is very important, expressing that support and Uh, recognizing that the challenges that school boards, superintendents, classroom teachers, building principals face are very uh, significant at this point. But making sure that you communicate in a uh, civil manner when you have an issue that you want to discuss with your child's teacher or discuss with your board of education, that goes a long way to helping people be able to hear what your concerns are and work with you to address those concerns. So we also know that there are enhanced professional development programs for teachers, so they are better able to support students with their social emotional needs. And there are activities that teachers can use in the classroom, checking in with students at the beginning of the school day to to see how they're doing. Uh, And hopefully then if they do need support, 
having resources in the school to provide that support to the students. Yeah, that is that is so important. But I also think there's a message out here for parents, caregivers, um, whatever your role is. You know, Lisa, you you run a great role in, in raising your how many grandchildren? I have over ten grandkids. <laughs> so the other the part of this responsibility is on us too. Yes. You know, when I tell people, they're like, "Oh, you know, I'm so upset. My kids got to go to this school." I said, "You know, it doesn't matter what building it is. What matters, in my opinion, and how I think." I help my kids be successful through their their you know elementary and high school years. Get involved, be yes. be present, be there, and also if you're going to go to a board meeting because there's an issue, read the rules, know what the rules are. Because I remember the first time I went to a school board meeting in Windsor, my town, and I didn't know the rules and I was upset by an issue. So I thought I could just get up there and talk say and they it. say it and that they would <laughs> respond to me and give me the answer that I wanted and I'd go home and be happy. Yeah. No. It, it doesn't work that way, yes. right, Patrice? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And and that's a very important point. The, the need for civility in all public discourse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we, our association passed a resolution several years ago, and our national association adopted it as well, calling upon public officials at all levels of government to model civility in their own discourse and to promote that environment so that everyone feels that they have the opportunity to express their views, yeah. not just the people that are the loudest and bring the uh, most uh, colleagues to a meeting. Yeah, we, we did have one of those little naughty things happen in one of our school districts. We won't say which one with board members, but, <laughs> you know, again, if we have to model by example. If we as adults can't do that, how are we expecting our kids to, to model that? But I think more importantly, again, we show up when we want to complain. Yeah. We don't show up when things are good mm -hmm. to say. Well, hey, that's in life. Yeah. You know, you never go to the manager, say, can I speak to the manager right. at a restaurant? And everybody's <laughs> mouth drops open and they're like, their eyes bug out. Yes. No, I just want to say thank you. That's right. The food was great. The, you know, I mean, right. it, it doesn't hurt we, to do that. We need to take the sandwich approach. Yes. Say something good at first the little tough stuff in the middle and then end with something good because I think that's one thing we don't think about we're so busy to just jump on people if they have a different view or anything from us and we're not thinking about how many other issues came up when those volunteer board members were there all year trying to pass a budget or what have you so I think we have to again just be model citizens and for our kids I think that's it and also shout out to the corporations because a lot of people don't know I used to run a, a school volunteer program in the Hartford school system years ago and there were programs like Travelers and Cigna and IBM that would bring their allow their employees to go and volunteer with the students to tutor them during the day mm -hmm. you know Paul Newman used to send popcorn and lemonade from his Newman's own for me to be able to give to, to schools in the Hartford School District that they didn't have snacks. So again, I think even if you're older and don't have kids in schools, there's things that we can all do, bring cookies or mittens. or. Well, you can't do school. that anymore unless you buy but them at the store. It, it, yeah, well, that, yeah. But I'm just saying in terms of we can at least ask about what yes. volunteering, because it is different in COVID. But I do think there's still things, even writing a note, a thank you note to a teacher. Right. What, Come on. We yep. can, we can do so, Patrice, things. we've, you know, got some time left here. And I just want um, you to give us something to think about. Because, again, 
Um, on the other side of this, I'm also saying, what's my responsibility as a parent, as a caregiver? I mean, if I can, make sure my kid gets up in time to have a good breakfast. If I can, make sure that my kid, you know, gets their homework, have those conversations, me checking in on their social and emotional needs. I know my 10-year-old granddaughter was just out here from Texas, and she was all excited to find out who her teacher was. So that was one piece of it. But she was also very, very nervous because she didn't want this one girl to be in her class because she bullies her. Now, I used to oh. say, you know what? Suck it up, bullying. Wow. I mean, I just, but yeah. it's real. Yes. I mean, it really is real. Yeah. So the good news is she got the right teacher and the bully's not in her class. Oh, good. But, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, everybody feels like they're being bullied and, and it's legitimate in some cases. But in other cases, I said it's life. You know, right. whether it's at school right now, there's going to be somebody that rubs you the wrong way at work, somebody that rubs you the wrong way everywhere. So we've also got to provide these kids these coping skills right. and quit saying to the schools, it's up fix to you it. to fix it. No. <laughs> That's right. We have to have the capacity and learn some skills that we have to deal with people that might be difficult. Right, Patrice? Right. And and that's part of the resilience and and the managing one's own emotions and how we react to situations. Mm -hmm. And those are things that schools certainly help our young people with, but if they can be reinforced in mm -hmm. the home environment, yes. that helps a lot. It, it certainly does. And, and I believe it's just, it's life skills. You know, life skills are what we get from home. Everybody's busy, but it's part of our responsibility to teach our own children and grandchildren respect. That's right. How to look somebody in the eye, how to interact with people, because it's just, it's something that you can't expect the, the schools to, to do, right. everybody to do. So how is the budget looking? How is uh, educational funding looking right now, Patrice? Well, we certainly uh, have had some increased support from our state government, and that's very important, and the federal funds that have come through because of the pandemic. We recognize school districts are very cautious about the fact that those funds will uh, end, mm -hmm. and they want to make sure that they don't start programs that they're not going to be able to sustain. So they're looking at what really makes an impact and what they're going to be able to sustain over time. Right, because there's just, like you said, to start a program because you got this federal funding and then it goes away, then right. then where do you go? And then you don't know what other costs are going to come up in your district throughout the school year. You know, you get a special needs child that moves into your district. You know, that impacts your budget. There's so many different things that impact your budget. I, I was aware of one school system, their budget was so tight that the the thing that they put last on their list was cleaning supplies because, you know, they're, the money's so tight. Wow. So, you know, that's the other thing people need to think about. This is a this is a big business this is a big budget but the money is spent wisely and running education isn't cheap right patrice absolutely not and and there are so many fixed costs in education yes that there isn't an awful lot of flexibility right. for boards to initiate new programs for example that's right. And it's, you know, it's very, it's a very, very thin lines, very, very thin budget. But I think the bottom line is let's, we've got a great public educational system That's right. here in the state of Connecticut. Right, Patrice? We're one of the best. One of the best in the country. Absolutely. Right. We're one of the best. And, and that isn't, doesn't just happen. It happens from the top down. It happens from the bottom up, right? You're as good as the people in your building. That's right. Um, and so I just really want to applaud, especially this time of year and all year round, um, not only our Board of Education members, but our superintendents, right. you know, down to the the staff that keeps everything clean, to the food service workers. Um, who did I leave out? 
principals, assistant yeah. principals. Thank you, know. you to our teachers. That's Yay. right, especially our teachers, you know, and to the parents because it's it's a lot. Yeah. You know, it's a lot. People's lives are busy. So what's your final message? Um, what's your back-to-school message, Patrice? Well, we got a couple of minutes left. Well, two things. One is for people to think about whether they can make the commitment to be a volunteer school board member. We need people to step up and serve in these roles. We want to make sure that our boards reflect the diversity of the community and the diversity of the students that we're educating. So think about whether this is a commitment that you can make on behalf of the students, the young people in your community, because you really do make a difference in that role. And then for everyone going back to school, come with your energy, come with your enthusiasm, be committed if you're a student or, or a parent to making sure that you're in school on a regular basis, because that's how you're going to be able to benefit from your education. And we are looking forward to a safe and successful school year for all of our students and staff. Thank you. That, that is, is that's a great message. <laughs> I mean, is. it is, and we got to go in there with an open mind, and really think about what our goal is. It's not only to educate your kid, but there's other kids there that need to be educated that's too, right? right? <laughs> so we can't get selfish about it either. We've just got to keep things in perspective. If somebody else can help you, who can? That's right. And then things change, right? So we'll see what happens in this year's legislative session. And Patrice and all the folks over at the Connecticut Association of Boards of Education, uh, that's what they do. They keep their eye on the ball um, and make sure that they're really there for the voice of public education here in our state of Connecticut. So we want to also thank you, uh, Patrice, for all the hard work that you do. I mean, you're not a volunteer, but I know your hours aren't nine to five. That's right. <laughs> No, that's not really the way this works. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, thank you. And uh, we hope that everybody has a great back-to-school gear and that this was informational. If you want to get more information, too, you can check out the website. Um, it's, uh, what is it? www.cabe.org. Yes, if you want more information, just go to cabe.org. All the information is there, and you don't have to have a kid in school to be a school say, board member. What a resource. What a resource. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, Executive Director and General Counsel of CABE, Patrice McCarthy, thank you again. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to this edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.